the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The first six letters in Christmas are C-H-R-I-S-T. What's that spell? Christ, which should remind us that we celebrate Christmas for Christ's sake. Jesus, who gave us the greatest gift of all, salvation, which costs us nothing, but costs him everything. He is the reason for Christmas and every season. Many of us miss the real meaning of Christmas because we focus on giving gifts that last for a season rather than gifts of the spirit that last a lifetime and from generation to generation. Today, Pastor Rander compels us to remember that Christ is Christmas. Thank you for listening in today. Have your Bible close by and have pen and paper handy. Heal our land, oh God, and heal our sins. Help me now to preach as if I'm preaching my last time because it's my last time until you give me another time to proclaim your truth from your precious word in Jesus' name. Help people to be still. Cut off cell phones and don't be texted in the house of God. To put away all the distractions and get what they have come for. In the name of Jesus we pray. And all God's children said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Uh, have your Bibles turn with us to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verse 11. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verse 11. is the scripture that I read last week. The scripture says in Luke 2, 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And once again, the title of this two-part message is Reflections on the Christ of Christmas. Reflections on the Christ of Christmas. It seems as if the true meaning of Christmas is getting further and further lost in the trappings of the season. The birth of Christ is being upstaged by Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, by Santa and mistletoes. Jesus is being upstaged by parties and Christmas trees and decorations and shopping till one drops. And when all is said and done, here comes January of the new year. Reality sets in and all you have as a reminder of the Christmas season is bills, 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 depression, stress, and pressure from shopping till you drop. Now is the time for us to refocus and prepare our hearts for the birth of Christ and just slowing down, not allowing the world to hype you up, to slow down, begin to reminisce and thank God for who he is and what he has done in your life as well as the true meaning of Christmas. 
And as we prepare our hearts for Christmas, uh, there are four poignant penetrating questions we must ask ourselves. And these uh, four questions are, number one, why did Jesus come? Number two, when did Jesus come? Number three, how did Jesus come? And number four, what should be the believer's response to the birth of Christ? Those are critical questions that we must ask uh, ourselves this Christmas season. I dealt extensively with why did Jesus come? And uh, I'm going to give a slight review, but this review is going to kind of be kind of fast. It's going to be rather fast because I did this last week, but it needs to be embedded in our hearts, and then we're going to thrust forward with the new insights uh, for today. First of all, I shared last time, why did Jesus come? We said, number one, he came because of his father's love and his own obedience to the father's will. He came because of the Father's love and his own obedience to the Father's will. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And we also read uh, 1 John 4, 9, in this the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In other words, the absolute highest expression of love in eternity, past, present, and future, is the giving of the Lord, God Almighty, his one and only son. It says, begotten son. Say begotten son. You say begotten son. What does begotten mean? In other words, he was the one and only unique son of God. Begotten means he was the one and only unique son of God. There is no other son of God. There is none like him. Uh, and I read all these uh, scriptures that we, that we did read last week for sake of time. We also talked about the obedience of Jesus Christ, which is found in John 5.30 as well as John 8.42. So he came because of his father's love and his obedience to the father's will. Number two, he came to fulfill prophecy. He came to fulfill prophecies. Genesis 3.15 says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And he, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. In other words, prophecies concerning the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ were spoken as early as Genesis 3.15, which is called, Genesis 3.15 is called the first gospel. Say the first gospel. Why is it called the first gospel? Because this is the first announcement of the coming redeemer found in the Bible. This is the first announcement of the coming redeemer found in the Bible. The seed, uh, the seed or offspring of the woman who is Jesus Christ will one day come and crush, defeat, bruise Satan's head. Jesus will come through that seed and strike the fatal blow uh, on Satan in order to redeem lost humanity. And so all I'm saying is that prophecies were spoken about the coming of the Lord all the way back thousands of years before now, starting in this very verse in Genesis 3.15. Other verses I'll not read. You just jot them down for the sake of time. We read prophecies concerning the coming of Christ as found in Isaiah 9.6. Isaiah 53, 3 through 5, as well as Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 through 23, all speaks of the coming of the Lord that came to fulfillment with 100% accuracy in the New Testament. You can read that in your own quiet time. He came to fulfill prophecy. Number three, he came to reveal the invisible God. 
He came to, to reveal the invisible God. Uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14 and 18 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ came and he actually pitched his tent among us. Verse 18 says, No one has seen God at any time. If, if somebody say they've seen God, they're lying. Nobody can see God and live. He's too powerful, too much glory. You'll be consumed with all that Chicago glory. You cannot see God and live. I said last time, Moses even saw the backside. And looking at the backside of God was too much. He lit up like a light bulb. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten son who is, the, who is in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. John 14, 9 speaks of God being God. Jesus said to him, speaking of Philip, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the father. So how can you say, Philip, show us the father? Don't you know by now you're looking at God when you're looking at me? In other words, before the coming of Christ, God was invisible apart from being revealed in nature and through his mighty works in creation. And we look at Psalms chapter 8 verses 3 and 4 speaks of God being revealed in creation. Uh, we read last time Psalms 19.1, uh, his being revealed in creation. And then we re also read uh, Psalms 33, 6 through 9 about God being revealed through his own handiwork. I love that. I just have to read that one one more time. Uh, Psalms 33, 6 through 9 says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deep in storehouses. Verse 8, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. Can't nobody do that but God. He spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. And everything is in motion and proceeding as God first initiated it. I tell you. And so God did something very special. He says, you could see me in creation. Then I sent the prophets to speak of my coming, to speak of God. And they spoke on behalf of God. But since you ignored my creation and miss God in the, uh, the moon and the sky and the mountains and the trees and the valleys and the snow and the rain. You miss God in creation. You miss God through the prophets that I sent and you mistreated them. I'm going to do you my absolute best. I'm going to send you the apple of my eye. I'm going to send you my one and only son because I don't want you to miss God. And God sent his son in the fullness of time, born of a virgin, wrapped in flesh and blood, God with us, Emmanuel. When Mary looked at her baby, she was looking at the face of God. That's awesome. I mean, she was looking at God. How do you raise a perfect baby? Think about that. I mean, she had to trust her own son in order to enter the kingdom of God. That's right. That's right. It's a powerful thing. So God sent his son. And so the invisible God became what? Visible so that people wouldn't miss God. 
1 Timothy 1.17 talks about the invisible God. Colossians 1.15 we read last time talks about the invisible God. Colossians 2.9 says, for in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. John 10.30, I love this. It says, I and my father are one. Hebrews 1.3, I love this. We got to park here just for a second because it's so profound. In Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, 8, it says, Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Wow. In other words, Jesus is the perfect imprint of God. Jesus is the exact representation of God. He is the essence of God on earth. So, so the invisible God became visible in order to accomplish the redemptive work of God. Number four, why did he come? He came to save his people from their sins. Matthew 121 speaks of that. And she shall bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. In John 129 it says, the next day John saw Jesus. Coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let me tell you something right now. The primary reason for the coming of Jesus was not to overthrow the government. You know why? Because you cannot legislate sin out of people. You can't pass a law and all folk get healed of their sin-sick souls. I mean, the, the world will not be healed through politics. Right. Sorry to say. Right. Uh, the world is not going to be healed because you are a Democrat, an independent, or a Tea Party, or whatever you think you are. Uh, uh, the world is going to be healed because of the name of Jesus Christ. We, the church, ought to be turning the world upside down with Jesus. But we're so much like the world nowadays until we've lost our identity and we look more like the world instead of affecting the world for the cause of Christ. He says, behold, Jesus came to take away the sins of the world. So Jesus did not come to overthrow the Roman government that was in power at the time. He, he fed the hungry. That was good, but that's not why he ultimately came. He healed the sick, but that's not why he ultimately came. His first and foremost reason, first and foremost reason for becoming a man with flesh and blood was to save his people from their sins through the death of the cross. That's why he came. Not for the government, not for entitlements, not all of these things. He came to save people from their sins. Why did Jesus come? Number five, he came to reconcile man back to God. Romans 5, he says, but God committed his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Ephesians 2, 16 says, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity in other words, when Adam and Eve ate off of the forbidden tree, the human race fell. He said, why? The, the Adam and Eve, they were the human race. And when they fell, humanity fell. And we are all offsprings. We're all offsprings of Adam and Eve, which means uh, Cain and Abel inherited the sin nature of Adam and Eve. And on and on and on and on and on, generation after generation, all the way up to us, we are born sinners in need of a Savior. Huh? Huh? So when Adam and Eve fell, uh, humanity fell, and we became estranged from God, alienated from God. Uh, we became at enmity with God. And Jesus Christ, in the fullness of time, came and he bridged the gap 
uh, between God and man. Thanks be to God for Jesus Christ, who is our great reconciler. Number six, he came to provide a perfect example for believers. He was the one and only perfect example. John 13, 15, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. First Peter 2, 21 says, for to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. In other words, Adam and Eve rebelled against God. Huh? And they fell and partook of the forbidden tree. Abraham lied and fell. Moses fell when he murdered a man and fled as a fugitive. Samson fell as he fell asleep in Delilah's lap and lost his hair as well as an anointing. David committed adultery with Bathsheba. Solomon fell because of his love for women. Jonah ran from God and pouted when Nineveh repented in sackcloth and ashes. And therefore Jesus came to be that perfect example for all humanity. Only Jesus had a sinless and perfect life. He was and is the only perfect sinless person who ever walked this earth. Nobody else can make that claim. Number seven, he came to provide a great high priest. He came to provide a great high priest who would sympathize with us in our weaknesses. Hebrews 4.15. Then number eight, he came to die. That's what scripture says. He came to die. Matthew 16, 21. He came to die. Luke 18, 31 through 33. He came to die. Jesus did not come to save the well. He didn't come to save the tree. He did not come to save some isle or some endangered species. Jesus came for fallen humanity, human beings. He came to die for sinners. That's right. He so loved humanity. That he sent his one and only son. Uh, number nine, Jesus came to defeat the work, defeat and destroy the work of the devil. First John 3, 8, Hebrews 2, 14, and Colossians 2, 15, all of which speaks of Jesus coming to destroy the works of the devil. In other words, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ made a public spectacle over Satan and his demonic cohorts who were disarmed, shamed, humiliated, and defeated at the cross. When Jesus rose from the grave, amen, he beat that devil down and whipped him at the cross. Praise be God. Why did Jesus come? He came to gain victory over death and the grave. Everybody died. Abraham died. Isaac died. And uh, the only two that didn't die were Elijah and Enoch. And that's because God did something special. But apart from them, even those Jesus raised in the gospel, they died again. But Jesus was the first one to get up and stay up. God about it. He was the first one to get up and stay up and is up and will always be. Why? Because he conquered the death. He conquered the grave. Oh, death, says 1 Corinthians 15, 55 through 57. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Why don't you say thank you? I serve a risen Savior. He's not a dead Savior. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. How do I know he's here? He walks with me. He talks with me. He tells me I'm his very own. Then this is where we left off the last time, and I'll slow down. He came to preach the gospel to the poor, 
I tweaked verse 11, and so you may, it may not read like you wrote it the last time. He came to preach the gospel to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, and proclaim liberty to the captives. He came to preach the gospel to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, and proclaim liberty to the captives. That's found in uh, Luke 4.18. Have your Bibles turned there, if you will. Slowing down now so you can really settle down. All that last part was review. Luke 4, 4, 18. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, empowered me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recover the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Do you realize the birth of Christ is good news and give hope to those who are brokenhearted? There are persons who are under my voice, you're brokenhearted. There are those of you under my voice, you've been oppressed. Some of you all this season, you are actually having a severe bout with depression. Others of you under my voice, you have been wounded deeply this year by someone you love. It could be a child, it could be a spouse, it could be a a long-time friend. I don't know who it is, but you've been betrayed. Your trust has been betrayed. Somebody shared something about you they should not have shared. You've been wounded. Others of you, you've lost your freedom. Jesus died to set your souls free, and you have allowed Satan to re-enslave you again. You are held captive. By what? By anger. And the truth be told, many of you were far too angry this year. Why are you killing yourself like that? Why are you committing those self-inflicted wounds? It's anger. Anger all over the place. All you got to do is look at that coach, that, that tripped that professional athlete up. He stuck his foot out there and tripped the man. He tripped the player. He should should not be back in the game. They should get rid of anger. Huh? Did y'all see that account? This is all this week. I'm talking about anger. Did you see the account this week where this basketball high school boy playing ball got mad at the ref because of a call. He hit the ref, pushed the ref. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Picked the ref up. And slam dunked the ref. Anger. This is just a teenager. This is, y'all, I'm talking about anger. And that's why some of y'all don't have the joy of Christmas. That's why you're so bitter. You've been held captive. You've allowed anger to literally destroy you. You got a degree, but you're angry. You got more money now than you ever had in your life, but you're still angry. You can go places you never used to go, but you're still angry. When are you going to come to grips and crowd to God to deal with your anger? This other guy walked into a school board meeting because his wife got fired. And he begins to shoot at will and ultimately kills himself. Mad because his wife got got fired. And shoot up the whole place because of anger. 
If you don't come to grips with anger through the power of the Holy Spirit, it's going to kill you or you're going to end up hurting somebody else. Anger. Anger. Bitterness. Some of you held captive by, held captive by your past. The things you've done. And the things we've all done. All of us got skeletons in our closets. Some may have more than others, but a skeleton's a skeleton. You need to repent and not allow your past to paralyze your present and to paralyze your future. You cannot go back and, and undo what's been done. You, you stop where you are, you name what you did, repent, and pull yourself up with the help of God and go on with life. Don't throw yourself an eternal pity party. You're not helping yourself, nor your family, nor the kingdom of God. Others of you held captive by your drugs, be they legal or illegal. And others of you, you've been drinking too much alcohol, and this is the time your folk get outright drunk. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about Christian. You didn't just get a sip. Sip leads to drinks. Drink leads to cans and quarts and gallons. You're not tipsy, you're drunk. Your alcoholic consumption has been too much. And others of you is your negativity. If it's negative, you're going to find it. You're not edifying. Some of you think you got the gift of negativity. But there's no such gift. That is nonsense. There is no such gift. No such gift. Others of you, it's gossip. Something juicy, you spread it. It's just juicy and you let it go. You're not helping anybody. Others of you, it's greed. You know what's killing this country? You know why we're in the mess we're in? It's because of greed. It's because of greed. People's financial accounts are in a mess because of greed. You're in debt because of greed. Husbands and wives are fighting and can't get along because of greed. And now you're being strangled with debt. Others of you are held captive by pornography. It's easy to get to now. It's all in the gadgets. You can take things around. You say, well, my child don't have it. Some child next, sitting next to him can say, look at this. Some of you are held captive by sexual immorality. You've been sleeping with somebody you're not married to. And you believe these commercials that think they're going to make you feel good. You still dying. We need to commit to purity. To our husbands and to our wives. You ought not be bringing foreign diseases home because you're playing in the, playing in the gutter somewhere. Y'all can get quiet if you want to. I'm going to still preach. And just because you're looking pretty and looking handsome don't mean you moral. You can look just as good and be just as immoral as you can be. You can look just as nice with a two-ton Bible and still walk out of here and do some of the damnedest things. As committed children of the only true and living God, we walk by faith and not by sight. Life on earth is not easy, yet even in the midst of trials and tribulations, we have joy, hope, peace, strength, and God's blessed assurance as we face trials. 
Best yet, we look forward to hearing our Savior say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant, and eternal life with our Lord and Savior. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church, located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, or call us at 210-821-5683. If you would like to make a special donation to support the radio ministry of Maranatha Bible Church, please visit our website at maranathasa.org. Select the Give option and choose the radio broadcast support fund. Thank you very much for your generosity. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.